Well, hey, welcome back to this episode of the How to Raise Capital 101 show. And today we are pulling out the Q&A section of the recent live Q&A slash training slash interview session that I did for the members of the How to Raise Capital 101 group. So today we had a whole bunch of really good questions come in, some of them ahead of time, some of them folks that were on the call live. So check it out and hopefully this answers some of your capital questions as well. There are millions of real estate investors out there and most are stuck with just a couple of properties. They want financial freedom, but their small portfolio ends up costing them more in time, effort and money than it's worth. Getting out of the rat race seems harder than ever. This show will help you do more deals, better deals and bigger deals. Finally, you'll be able to reach your income and lifestyle goals. How? by attracting and leveraging private money partners and their capital. Now get ready to raise more money because here's your host, Dave Dubow. And all right, very good. Let's jump into some questions. I, I asked everybody to kind of, when you register for this, give me your number one question, burning question about raising capital. We aren't going to be able to get through all of them because we had a whole bunch come in, but a whole bunch of them kind of came around the same thing. So we have one, two, three, like seven of them here, which are basically all around, how do we find capital? How do we find investors? How do I get started? How do I source private capital? Just finding more capital, how to find capital. All right. So you guys, I mean, basically that's what this whole process is all about. The money partner formula. If you haven't checked out the new podcast, go and check that out. Again, uh, the How to Raise Capital 101 show. The first nine episodes of the show are like a mini course that go through all you know, nine steps of this money partner formula. So that'll give you a good little crash course. The price is right. It's free. You, you don't even have to opt in for anything. You can just go listen to the podcast. If you like it, leave me a good rating and review. That would be appreciated. But that's that's the big idea here, you guys. It, to, to sum it all up, just like Matt's been talking about, the secret sauce is simple. You find a target group of people that you want to focus on. And I'm going to say, focus on your existing network. They already know you. They already like you. They already trust you to a certain degree. Now we just got to get them to trust you to invest a hundred grand with you. But you're well on your way. Go ahead, Matt. And just to add to that, once, because it's happening now for us, once you find that target group of 100, 200 of your, even if you pretend to be me and be Inspector Gadget and go through all your contacts and sort them out and figure out what you're going to do, once that starts and they jump aboard, they start talking and the house that you're working on, the neighbor next door is in the window watching you for two months as you're renovating the house or getting it ready. And he starts asking questions and the lady up in the skyscraper, she's watching you. And all of a sudden they're phoning and asking and all of a sudden now they're bringing money in. So organically, you've got these investors coming that you don't, you know, again, you don't even know these people because he's been watching, she's been watching, and he told his neighbor and his uncle and his cousin that he's getting money from you. And it's mind blowing. So it just starts to roll and roll and roll. And I'm only a year and a half into the process, and we were, you know, $1.5 million raised already. So I'm telling you, it works. Sorry, go ahead. Awesome, buddy. Appreciate it. So, again, let's create that target group to get started with. Make sure you've got all the foundation in place. Uh, a way to communicate with people. We suggest your own website, have a really good presentation to show people when they do say I'm interested. That's the foundational pieces. Then just like we talked about here today at the beginning, break the ice first before you start talking real estate, get a bunch of friendly practice runs under your belt. 
that's definitely, if you do it right, that's going to turn into capital right off the get-go. And then start your marketing machine, that constant, consistent, edutaining communication, drip, 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 week after week after week after week. That's going to do you in good stead. Then you can start leveraging things with webinars. Make sure you keep that marketing going week after week after week. And then, then you can start thinking about boosting your credibility, getting interviewed on podcasts, doing your own book, that sort of thing. But but that comes later. And once you get one or two investors on board, just like Matt said, then you can start that snowball effect because they know other people with money that are looking for a good home for their money. So again, that's the process. In a nutshell, you guys, I can't go through the whole thing. Uh, if you, if you want to go through the whole thing, join me on Saturday. We're doing a full day workshop. I'll let you know a little bit about that later on here. All right, but let's jump into the questions as folks sent ahead of time. So that gives you the big gist of how do we find the investors? Um, you know, follow, follow the process. Here's a good question that came in from Teresa. She was asking, she's a new investor looking to get into multifamily properties. And she said, what is the most important information to share in order to get potential investors interested? All right. And I'm going to, Matt, I'll ask your opinion on this in a second, but my, my view on this, Teresa is most important information for you to share is that you're actively doing what you want to be raising money for. So Teresa, you're just getting started with this. You don't have your first deal under your belt yet. It doesn't sound like, but you can still show people that you're actively participating. You're doing stuff. You're learning stuff. You're going out checking properties. You're analyzing deals. You're partnering with other people who have experience, whatever it is, show action. As far as the actual information to share, it kind of depends on what stage of the process people are in. If you're just in the marketing stage of things, you actually don't want to overshare too much because you know a lot more than your potential investors do. They don't want to learn everything you've learned. They just want to know you know your stuff. So be careful not to overshare. And then when you actually are doing a presentation, somebody's put up their hand, they want a meeting. Again, be careful not to overshare. You want to give them the big picture overview. You want to show them how it works. But most people aren't super analytical. They Most people don't want to know the nitty gritty Every single last little detail there, Matt. What what's your what's your input on that? I you, you hit the nail on the head. I think just just be <clears throat> prepared and have as much information as you can for yourself and understand what you're talking about to those people because you know you said it best. They they don't want to know all that stuff and they don't even understand that type of stuff, right? They just want to know that their money is going to be safe and they're going to get paid and um, you know get the get the gist exactly. of it. Right? Exactly. Get the, the gist yeah. of it. Perfect. Exactly. All right. So Jorge sent in this question. He said, uh, he's a novice investor focusing on multifamily. How do you build credibility with your prospective investors? So this is a good question. I'll throw this out to you, Matt. What's what's your take on that? I, I think you have to just, you have to be open, honest, and you have to show people what you're doing. That's how you build credibility, right? To go with them and say, well, I've done this and I've done this. Well, have you done that, first of all? And second of all, what type of proof you got? Well, mm-hmm. here's the pictures, here's the video, here's the information, here's the breakdown, here's the washout sheet. Like, I, I keep an open book with my investors because I'm asking them, hey, if you're going to give me $700,000, I want you to know what I'm doing. And um, I, I think that's how you build credibility, you know? I, I think a lot of people are impressed that that I'm there rolling paint. They're like, holy geez, you're actually painting? Yeah, I'm actually painting too, right? I just don't sit at home in, in nice Ricky Martin polka dot shirts and do podcasts all day. I mean, I'm there swinging cement and swinging paint and whatever's got to be done. That's how you build, build build credibility. That's been for me. Now, what other people have done, you know, I don't know. But for me, uh, I'm hands-on and I think people appreciate that. 
Yeah, I think a combination of that plus, you know, getting out there and and marketing yourself effectively goes a long way. So all the stuff we've been talking about, the marketing, that's going to go a long way to building up that credibility. A few other things you can do is get active with your local real estate investment club, real estate investment association. If you're shy, you don't necessarily need to be the speaker. You can just help introduce people or greet people at the door, whatever it is, but get active in that. If you are a little bit more extroverted, then getting booked on podcasts is a fantastic way to build up that credibility, build up that authority as well. Okay, good stuff. Now, Dan was asking, okay, he's a novice investor, again, in multifamily. He says, how do you vet your potential investors? And I'll I'll give my opinion on this, and then Matt, I'll ask yours as well. So vetting them, if you're doing a lot of what we're talking about here right, that's going to vet people for you. So your marketing is going to can vet a lot of people for you because it's going to show them the kind of deals that you're doing, the price points, how long those deals are, you know, how long your investors' money's kind of tied up in things, how involved or not involved they're going to be, that sort of thing. Your marketing can do a lot of that. And then when you're sitting down and you've, you've created curiosity and they've booked a meeting with you, well, that's a big part of the presentation is to make sure that they're a good fit for you in addition to you being a good fit for them. Matt, what do you think about that? Yep, you're you're bang on. I think uh, we've we've had uh, I think six or seven people come through that just aren't a good fit, right? And over the emails and the content during COVID, you definitely are able to wean people out and figure out who's going to be a good fit or not. And then you do a Zoom or two, and then when you meet in person, you kind of figure out who's going to work with you and who you want to work with. Because again, I don't need your money. That's the approach you have to take. And um, we've had six or seven people. We've just said, you know what? It's just not for you. Um, and and you're going to come and across. What, what were kind of some of the red flags that kind of popped out for you there, Matthew? What the- um, I, I think the big the biggest thing is a lot of people want to come in and they want to control all the aspects of it. Like they want to be the business guy. They want to pick the color on the walls. They want to pick the size of the windows. And it's like, well, no, like this is not what you do. This is what I do. And the whole point is to create a, a hands-free investment, right? You take your money and you give it to investors group. You don't phone investors group every 10 minutes and say, where are the funds? Did you buy this? Did you sell that? No, you get your statements twice a year and hope to God they make you money. Most cases they don't, right? So this situation, they come aboard and they say, oh, well, you know, my husband's an electrician. Maybe he can come and wire all the houses. And then my sister does all interior design. She'd come and paint the house and pick the doilies. No, that's not how it works, right? So that was the first thing for me. They, they want to be overly involved. And then the people that come in with small amounts of money, that's the second biggest red flag because the guy wants to come in with thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 he tends to be more work than the guy coming in at $700,000. And I'm telling you that's true because it is true. The people that are coming in with smaller amounts, they tend to be more work than the bigger amount of people. So it's just not worth it. Like, am I going to have 10 conversations a month with a $50,000 investor opposed to two conversations a year with the $500,000 investor? I can tell you what I'm going to do. Exactly. No, good points. Good points. I love this question by Alethea. She's a new investor, hasn't done any deals yet. How much money do I need to have in a deal before I request financial help? That's a really good question. I've got a few answers here. When you are a brand new investor, I think you should have skin in the game financially. I think you should have your own money in the deal. So what we always tell people is, in my opinion, you are ready, able, 
and qualified to start raising capital if you've got at least one successful deal under your belt already. If you're starting from scratch, get that experience first. Ideally, you self-finance your first deal. You come up with a down payment. You do everything. You get that up and going. And then you can use that as a shining example of what you're doing and what, what you're looking to get other people's money in for. And then you can say, legitimately, if people say, well, how much of your own money are you putting in? None. Why not? Because it's all in another deal. That's why I'm bringing you on board as an investor. Otherwise, I'd do them all myself, right? That's that's a legitimate reason there. Now, that's not possible for everybody because sometimes, like myself, back in the day when I first got started, I didn't have experience and I didn't have any damn money either. So that way, you have to get a little bit creative. There's different ways you can do that. You can go start do, doing creative deals, kind of like Matthew was talking about. You can do some wholesale deals, get a little bit of experience that way. Or... If you're looking to get into properties that you do need to raise capital for, if you've got some of the money, maybe you partner up with somebody else, you do all the work, you still split things 50-50 with them. I know that's not absolutely fair, but it is fair because they're helping you get that first deal done. If you got a few bucks, you can invest with somebody else in their deal. Maybe not Matthew because he's not looking for active investors, but you can find somebody else who's willing to take your money plus show you the ropes as they're going along, allow you to work on the project with them. I'm not looking for anybody like that either, but sometimes people will do that for you. So you could pay to play. Um, or if you convince somebody, probably a close family member to put up the money, you put up all the work, then make sure that the profit split is very, very heavily in their favor. So it's not going to be a 50-50 deal right off the get-go. If, if you've got no track record, no experience, and you're using their money, give them 75% of the profits or 80% of the profits, whatever it is, just to get that first, like Barry Maguire says, get that first damn deal done, right? That's that's what it's all about. Then you can use that as a case study for raising capital. What are your thoughts on that, Matthew? Yeah, it's it's perfectly explained. You've done this before, haven't you? Uh, no, it's-, it's Well, these are really good questions. That's why I love yeah, about no, this. This, this like, is stuff that people are sending like, in. So you, you need to- get involved to learn the system and learn the process. And, and at first it can't be about money. Right. And that's why these people that do this are still working full-time jobs or, or three part-time jobs. It's a slow process. If you don't have access to money or not flipping or selling or someone backing you, you got to get involved. You got to get, you know, learning and, and get the experience because when you go to those people and you're looking at the banks or private lenders or capital investors, you can't bullshit them. Right. They'll, they'll figure it out. So. Yeah. Do, do a little bit of work, you know, just physically do the work and learn the system. Excellent. This next one's from our good friend, Brad. This is, does this look familiar, Brad? So all my friends and family have been pitched. What are the best practices for warming up strangers during the initial 30 days when no solicitation is allowed? All right. So good question, Brad. And this, this really boils down to how do we start expanding that network and making new friends fast? to get them on board and engaged as uh, as investors. So I'm going to cover my ass first, Brad, and say, hey, get your own proper legal advice and <laughs> accounting advice and all that kind of stuff. I'm a marketer and a real estate guy. I don't know if what I'm going to tell you is 100% on track. But if if you can take it there, take it for what it's worth for sure. Because um, <clears throat> I have talked with a lot of syndicators who do this professionally, right? So I kind of look at at what they do in that situation. And here's what's really important. 
what's <laughs> a couple of things. Number one, tracking, tracking every communication you have with that person over that time frame. That's why a really good CRM system goes a long way because then you can reach back in time and say, well, yeah, I sent Joe Schmo this email this day. We had a conversation this other day. He read this email I sent to him there. So you got track of all of the communications that you've had. Just again, we're looking at worst case scenarios. What's the worst case scenario? It is that somebody invests with you and the investment goes sideways and they sue your ass off and they complain the Securities and Exchange Commission or in Canada, your Securities Commission, right? And then they they come looking at you. That's where things can get dicey. So if you've got a very good um, record of everything that went, well, first of all, do your damn best to not lose anybody any money. <laughs> That's job number one, right? Job number two is make sure that you've got a very good trackable system that shows exactly how you developed this relationship and how they are now legitimately qualified to invest with you in the deal, right? So how do you track all of that? I had this conversation here. We did all these communications over this time frame, And if you can show that, then that should uh, that should do you in good stead. Specifically around the 30 days, uh, warming them up. So again, however, well, actually, Brad, if you want, just kind of mute yourself so you can get a little bit of clarity here. You're talking, so how has the person reached out to you in, in this example? They've just give me a, a little bit better idea. I get leads from TikTok. I go live every day and people say, I want to, I want to throw some money in your hand. Here's oh, okay. 50 or 500,000. Mm. Nice problem to have, Brad. <laughs> but, but again, right. We have to be compliant. Like we're total strangers. Let's yeah. establish a relationship. Exactly. So I put them in, I put them into my calendar so that mm. every week I get people booking calls yeah. And I can't solicit for 30 days. No, fair enough. So good. So here's what I would think about if I were you. First of all, having that initial conversation, that would be kind of the point where I'd say press go, right? That would be day one, that initial conversation, record it, right? Make sure that you're not having any solicitation in that conversation and make everything from there for those 30 days, educational, educational edutaining as we say, right? So here's what we're doing. Here's how it works. Here's, you're not soliciting anything. You're walking them through what your process is and, and how things work. So, you know, you don't have to do every single day, but if you're, you're dripping something on them uh, a few times a week, and then you're having two or three calls with them over the that 30 day period. So maybe one at the beginning, one in the middle, one at the end. I don't know, that might be excessive. If somebody wants to invest 500 grand with you, I think three conversations would be would be okay, right? And then you've got all of that kind of in, wrapped up in a package. I think that should be okay. But again, I'm I'm not giving you any legal advice. Yeah, go ahead. Dave, can I can I just put a yeah, little yeah, yeah. so I I tell a story how my dad became a financial backer. And I just tell a story historically what's happened. And I, you know, throughout the disclaimer, I'm not here to pass around a hat or uh, solicit. And their imagination starts turning the wheels. I want to do what he did for you with my money. Yeah. And that's how I kind of stay compliant there. Beautiful. Beautiful. So again, it's more of those kind of more of that kind of storytelling throughout the the 30 days to get them up to a fever pitch. And then you, you do the takeaway as well. You say, hey, you know what? Like that first meeting. I cannot bring you on as an investor 
until we have a legitimate relationship. So we need to become fast friends over the next 30 days. And here's how that's going to work. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to be sending you emails. Make sure you open those damn emails and watch the videos. You recycle some of the stuff that you got from before, but and the CRM can track all of this stuff. Make sure you're, you're watching all this. We're going to have another quick little Q&A call in 15 days. Let's book it right now. And then let's have our, our final uh, call at the end of 30 days and see if it still makes sense for you. Even, and if we're if we're at a, a place now where we can actually work together. And then it's a little bit of a takeaway. You're making them jump through a few little hoops, which I know to everybody else, it sounds really weird, but we're talking about bringing a, a complete stranger into the fold. And, and, and in Brad's case, this could be dangerous if, if you do it wrong, because he's under a little bit more scrutiny than other people might be. So again, very important that you do it right. But I think, Brad, if you do this right, you're going to get them really foaming at the mouth, just chomping at the bit to invest with you, especially if you share some success stories as you're going through case studies, testimonials, all that kind of good stuff that that'll without directly soliciting, I think that'll go a long way. Thank you very much for that question. Okay, you guys, we're going to wrap things up with one last question. Uh, this came in from Peter. Peter is a an experienced investor, but he's been more on the passive side. Now he wants to get into being more active However, he's got a little bit of the imposter syndrome because he hasn't been the boots on the ground guy. He hasn't been the roll up his sleeves guy. So his, his question is, I've only JV'd as a money partner in a new venture on a multifamily acquisition and renovation. How can I attract private money if I haven't done my own multifamily deal yet? So the imposter syndrome's infected my mind. My ethics are, my ethics are around being open, clear, and transparent and on, honest about this. So how do I work through this? So first of all, thanks very much for the question, Peter. It's a good one. I'll give you my, my input here. Then I'll ask Matt if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing there. So first of all, you don't have to be dishonest. You don't have to be whatever the opposite of transparent is. Obscure. <laughs> whatever it is. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You can be right up front and you can say legitimately, Right. When you're using, use the deal that you've been involved in as a case study. You can say, hey, here's a deal I've been involved in, and here's how it all worked. I was a passive investor on this deal. Now I want to get into actively doing this. The reason why is whatever, okay? And this is what we're going to do. So that way you're, you're showing that, yes, you do have experience. You've been involved in these kind of deals. Here's my team. Here's the experience they bring to the table. Peter, to be perfectly frank with you, your first deal or two as an active guy, I might recommend that you partner up with somebody else who's actively doing what you want to do and go in as an as a, a co-GP on the deal with them as an active part of it, right? And then bring whatever your, your biggest skill set is to the table. If you're the analytical guy, you can be the number cruncher. If you're good at the management, you can be helping out with the property management, whatever it is. But then part of the deal is you say, hey, I want to be, you know, I want to be elbows deep in this deal. I really want to work on this. I want to be actively participating in this deal. And then that's, and, and then you can point to that with your presentation. Hey, I'm partnering up with, with this person. They've been doing this actively for years and years and years. And this is why we think it's going to be a great opportunity. Does that make sense? So hopefully that works out. If you just want to jump straight in, to uh 
to actively doing this kind of deal, then you might want to start with a slightly smaller deal instead of getting into a big, big multifamily. Maybe you the first kick of the can is a, a fourplex or a sixplex or an eightplex, something a little bit smaller so that you can get you can get that experience as you're going along. But again, you don't have to bullshit anybody. Never bullshit people. It's you know, it's it's not good karma. This the second anybody gets a sniff that you're a bullshitter, your credibility is shot. They're never ever going to invest with you because why would they? Why would they, you know that trust it takes a long time to build up? So no, never, you know, some people say fake it till you make it. No, no <laughs> definitely not when it comes to raising capital. You want to be upfront, you want to be honest with people. All right. Otherwise, like Matt says, it'll blow back on you. Matt, what what are your thoughts on this last question? Yeah, I think uh, you hit the points. It's just uh, just be real, open and honest with people. And I mean, there's there's tons of private money out there, private lenders that will, you know, might have a heavy interest rate. But when I first got started uh, flipping homes, I had to do that for the first couple of flips, borrow private money from private lenders to to do that. Now these private investors approach me. So um, you just got to get involved. And like I said, maybe you have to do some smaller single family homes or smaller multifamily units. I wouldn't be biting off, uh, you know, like I said, a 20 unit apartment building on my first deal. I mean, those deals are are scary and you have to get your your lashings and your canings and you got to put your time in to, you know, build yourself up and uh, don't just don't set yourself up for fail. Just take baby steps and um, just take it, take it easy, take it slow. you got lots of time. And when things start to roll, uh, it's hard to stop the ball at that point, but you just, you got to start rolling the perfect ball and get the perfect foundation to build the house. Cause if it's not perfectly built to the foundation, it's all going to come down. Yeah, good point. And, and Peter had a little clarification. I have done student rentals, conversions, my own duplexes. Now want to move up to multifamily. Good. Well, that's awesome. Same idea there, Peter, though, because you're talking about getting into much bigger deals. Uh, for the first couple, maybe you, you've done duplexes before, you've been involved as a passive investor in a much bigger deal. Maybe pick something that's kind of in between because then you can point to the, the small deals before that you've done, that you've actively managed. So if you're going from like a duplex up to a sixplex or an aplex, that's not too much of a stretch for somebody to feel comfortable investing in a deal with you because you've got a track record there. Thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, we'll turn this into one or two or three podcast episodes. And I'll probably do these on a fairly regular basis. So keep an eye on eye out on your email and uh, feel free to join us for a future one as well. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Well, hey, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. It's kind of different, I know, but uh, this is real. These are real people asking real questions about raising capital. So hopefully you got some good tidbits, some good ideas there. And hey, you know what? You can participate in this kind of uh, Q&A, live Q&A as well, when you are part of our How to Raise Capital 101 group. So go ahead and check that out on Facebook. Send us a join request, and we'd ha be happy to have you on our future calls. Take care. See you on the next episode. This episode is brought to you by MoneyPartnerFormula.com. Our Money Partner Formula service allows you to raise all the private capital you need to do all the deals you want while we handle the hard stuff. We offer reliable and affordable done-for-you marketing services that get you investor meetings booked without all the work. So go ahead and check out the website right now. And then feel free to schedule a call with me and let's take your portfolio to the next level. Again, that's moneypartnerformula.com. Watch investor meetings pop up in your calendar 
we handle the rest.